Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. All right, all right. You hear that music, you know the show. You're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. Uh, it's a special day. It's always a special day in the Valley, but it's always a beautiful day in the Valley, I should say. But this is a special day in the Valley, and that is because... Yeah, you're right. There's a baseball game going on here in Phoenix, Arizona, of all places. It's hot, but guess what? We got an indoor stadium, so it doesn't make a difference. The Major League Baseball Association will have the 2011 Major League Baseball All-Star Game here in about mm, about four hours. Man, it's, uh, it's a shame. One of my favorite players of all time. Man by the name of Derek Jeter will not participate. Man, I was, come on, Derek, you should have just came so you could just wave to the fans. Because what you did to us the other day was ridiculous. Man, talk about get off my back, shut up, leave me alone, exclamation point. Just want to congratulate the man on 3,000 hits and just, as they say, just knocked it out the park. With an exclamation point to let everybody know, I'm Derek Jeter. I've been doing this, you know, 3,000 times. And you want to keep messing with me about hits, if I can play, if I still got it? Now, I think the tank is running a little low. But Derek did it, man, and I'm happy for him, man. I'm just, I, I'm one of them guys that I, I, I give credit where credit's due. And certainly... One thing that I want to do, man, I, I, I want to have, you know, I want to take the time to give credit where credit is due. I got two special people who are going to join me today. As a matter of fact, they're on the line, and, and, and one of those men have to make an early exit from the show. And so I want to bring him on first, and that is, uh, I'm going to bring Freddie Scott on, because I, I, I want Freddie. There's many times that you hear different things throughout the league about players that are doing all the wrong things. I mean, come on, uh, Heinz Ward, let's, let's give him, okay, Heinz. I'm, I don't know if you're guilty or not, but this thing about dr drinking under the wheel, you know, every now and then we all make a judgment decision that's wrong. But, Heinz, come on, man. I know they can pick you up. They got cars that will pick a player up from any place in the United States of America. If you're an NFL player and you had a couple drinks and you don't want to drive, they provide a service. 
that service is probably still there. But I tell you, one young man is making some excellent decisions, making us all look good. And that's Freddie Scott Jr. Freddie, how you doing, man? Man, I am great. How are you doing, Ray? I'm doing just wonderful, man. I, you know, first of all, I, I want to give respect where respect is deserved, and you deserve it. You've been doing an excellent job. Tony, you know, God knows we all love the man. As a matter of fact, um, I was just down at the university, at LSU University. Um, it was a, probably the best and worst trip. It was the best trip because the program was excellent. It was the worst because it was like a shrine of that 2007 National tr- Championship trophy they kept throwing up in my face because, of course, <laughs> they beat the Buckeyes. But uh, when, I was, when I was there, uh, man, there was just a young man that just, you know, just laid it out about uh, Tony Dungy and the work that he's done. And, uh, of course, now I have the privilege of, of talking uh, with another young man who is, uh, I'm going to call you a disciple of Tony, but you're doing a tremendous job. So, first of all, congratulate you on your career and, and your pop's career and your brother's career. Am I correct? Yeah, my, uh, my dad played 11 years in the league, played uh, with the Baltimore Colts and Detroit Lions, and then I was privileged to be able to make it there as a second-generation guy. And, and uh, I have a younger brother that he's not up there yet. He's uh, starting to get his feet wet with in the game a little bit, still uh, getting ready, going to high school and all that. But we we got two two generations made it to the NFL. I pay, played with the Falcons, the Colts, and the Lions. And so pretty unique situation to be able to play on two of the same teams that my dad played for. And even my locker was right next to his up there in Detroit, which was a, uh, even at the same trainers wow. that were there that remember me when I was a little kid running around with snot in my nose. And uh, so it's a a fun scenario and uh, opportunity that is obviously very rare. Well, you know, Fred, it's interesting you say, you know, these wonderful things about your dad's athletic career and, and, and you got a young brother who's coming up. And I know because of what I've read, but I just want you to share uh, with some of those people out there about the program you're involved with, with, of course, uh, Tony Dungy being heavily involved in. And then there's also out there this book called The Dad I Wish I Had. You know, after you talk about your dad's, you know, athletic career, you know, there's this book out there and I'm not going to, you know, steal the thunder. I'm going to let you describe what the book is all about. But first, talk a little bit about your relationship with Tony and the things that you're doing now and and working with, of course, with the group that he's working with. Well, uh, writing the manuscript for the book just really opened up so many doors. You know, I had no agenda of being an author or anything like that, but uh, just felt I was in church one day, and the Lord just spoke to me and said, write a book entitled The Dad I Wish I Had, and, and I knew exactly what he was talking about uh, as relates to, yeah, he had the success on the field uh, in as far as the relationship with my dad, but then there were, of course, issues off the field that needed to be addressed in, in, in our own family. And so after writing the manuscript, uh, Jim Caldwell, who is now the head coach for the Colts, he used to be my receiver coach at Penn State. And so I had just called Coach Caldwell just to follow up with him and just to get his pulse on this issue of fatherhood and the families in America today. Uh, obviously, we have uh, between 6, 70 to 80% of guys that make it to the NFL are coming from single-parent homes. And so he was just sharing his heart about how huge this issue is with guys coming into the league, not knowing what it means to be a man, not knowing what it means to be a father, et cetera, et cetera. And while we're talking, Coach Dungy walks in the office. And so long story short, uh, I was ultimately invited to go up to Indianapolis to meet Coach Dungy. actually prayed in his office with Coach Dungy for the dads and, and the kids in the area there in Indianapolis. This was going into his final year being the coach up there. Uh, he agreed to write the foreword to my book. 
And since then, his organization, All Pro Dad, which is found at allprodad.com, uh, has asked me to be a national spokesman for them. So for the past three years, I've been traveling the country, speaking to men and to kids, trying to empower and engage as many men as possible with practical tools to love and lead their families successfully. And so that's what we've been doing. And, of course, the book addresses that uh, it, that title, The Dad I Wish I Had, just simply if you resonate with that title, then most likely there's some issues there of the relationship that you wish you had with your dad. Yes. And so how do you overcome that? How do you deal with that? How do you not allow those issues to become weights that slow you down and keep you in bondage, but rather you can move on from it, heal from it, and have a successful life and family in the future? Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because I am one of those products of a society of which I grew up without a dad. My mom uh, did everything she could to be mother, father, you know, grandparent. When when my grandfather passed away, my grandmother was already gone. Uh, so there was a heavy burden on her. I used to grow up, all as I grew up, I, I would many times say to people, I really didn't feel like, like I missed anything. But many times you don't know what you missed until you've had a chance to experience what it's like to have it. And so if I never had it, I never knew what I missed. But as I grew up and there was difficulties, I say this on the air, in, in raising my son. I'm even struggling today raising uh, my son. But I, I would say that many times those young men don't realize what they're missing until they become fathers. And hopefully they then will be the father that they never had. How does that work with you today in your life? Do you have children? If you do, Freddie, how does your relationship with your father, has it impacted the relationship you have with your son? Well, I've got five children. Uh, my wife and I have been blessed. Uh, no children out of our marriage. All of, all of them are our kids. And, uh, and it's just a tremendous blessing for that. Our kids are 10, 9, 6, 5, and our baby girl is 3. So Penn State has a nice recruiting class coming up uh, <laughs> down, down the road. But, but yeah, yeah, I tell our students here at our church all the time that you don't know what you don't know. And when you don't know uh, what you're missing from those relationships because you never experienced it, then, of course, you're not going to miss it because you don't know what you're missing. And, in fact, I had a unique situation that happened just, just last week where I was talking with a young child that was going through similar issues that I did growing up where his father wasn't around him as much. And I had him read my book, and, and basically we just talked about and what he understood as his takeaway was the importance of, of choices that every single person has the opportunity to make decisions, and some decisions are good, some decisions aren't so good, but ultimately those decisions can impact us positively or negatively. And he just learned to start processing things instead of out of pain and, and all of that and starting to understand, oh, that was just a bad decision Dad made or that was a good decision Dad made and being able to process it that way. And he was actually you know, sort of set free in this, from the perspective of saying, you know what, I don't have to be concerned or worried about my relationship with him because I understand what's really going on. Well, now, my son, mm -hmm. he doesn't have that. You know, in fact, I had this conversation with my son right there, and he literally said, Dad, I really don't know what that feels like because I'm not concerned about whether or not you're going to come home. If you go on a business trip, I know exactly when you're going to come back. And so I'm not scared. I'm not concerned. I'm not worried. I don't, I don't even know what that feels like. And so it was just a weird thing to literally see the, the difference between two kids, one with a dad there, one without a dad there. And for me, it just really sunk home that, you know what, my, the job that I set out to do as a father saying, you know what, I don't want my kids to ever feel the way I felt 
and not knowing where your dad is and not knowing when dad's going to come home, et cetera, is working. And uh, it just so, felt good to hear that from my son and saying, you know what, dad, I'm not concerned about you. I know where you are and I know what you're doing and I love you. Let me ask you, in terms of, of the program, is, is the program one of which, uh, what about the dads that are out there, the dads who have been away? Is, is, is there the ability to provide some type of uh, information? I don't want to necessarily say comfort, but, but even comfort for those dads that perhaps maybe are looking for a way to enter their children's lives. Well, in fact, you, you're teasing my upcoming show on your network. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm glad, but I'm glad you mentioned that. Let those folks know you will have your show here on Voice America. Yes, my show is coming August 22nd on Voice America. Uh, we're looking forward to it. I'm lining up uh, guests. It's going to be informational. And, in fact, one of the things that we're going to talk about is scheduled on September 19th is we're going to be talking about that it's never too late. And we're going to be giving uh, uh, tips, in fact, 10 tips, 10 things that you can do for a child who has rejected you. And you will walk away at the end of that show knowing 10 things that you can do to reengage that relationship. And, And to answer your question, it is never too late. You can always rebuild, you can always restore, but there is a starting point that the father or the parent has to initiate. It's not the child's responsibility to bridge that gap. It's the man's responsibility, the father's responsibility. Why? Because we're the leaders. We're the head of the household, we're the leaders in our family, and we set the pace and the tone in our home. And so, so it is never too late, and yes, there are things that we can do to rebuild and restore a severed relationship. Okay, Freddie, listen, I know you got to go, and we got about two minutes left. I know you you got to be busy right now. you got a lot of things going on. Give me some idea of where people might find you in the next few weeks, next few months, what's going on with All Pro Dads. Is there some events coming up? Let everybody out there know what's going on in your life and, of course, with All Pro Dads. If you want to stay connected, the easiest way to do do that is to go to freddyscott.org. That's freddyscott.org. You can connect with my Facebook accounts there. Uh, my Twitter feed, of course, is uh, twitter.com forward slash freddyscott. That's F-R-E-D-D-I-E, Scott, S-C-O-T-T. Uh, I'm always posting online, I will lo- and I always respond to questions and feedback and issues that people have. Go to allprodad.com for upcoming events. We have an event coming up with the St. Louis Rams. We have an event coming up with the Indianapolis Colts later on this summer, also with the Baltimore Ravens. And so we've got a lot of things going on, but just go to freddyscott.org for more information. And if you want a copy of the book, uh, The Dad I Wish I Had, that has the foreword from Tony Dungy, just go to thedadiwishihad.com. That's the dad I wish I had dot com. You can order directly from me and my website, or you can find it on Amazon.com or BarnesandNobles.com. It's available there as well. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give the engineer the cue for the break. But just before we go, because I know you got to go, but listen, somebody, a former player, I cannot let you go without you at least giving me your perspective on what's going on with the work stoppage right now. From your perspective, from any perspective, but certainly for one as being a, a former player, talk to me about what your feeling is about what's happening right now. Well, I, I'm, I'm somewhat satisfied to see that the players and, and even the new leadership of the union appears that they've been very organized and very focused on exactly what they wanted and what they were not going to accept. 
And so, from that perspective, from a player's perspective, I, I like to see that I see I like the direction they're going. I also like the perspective that the NFL and the owners are going and saying, you know what, we're not going to drag this out and make this ugly. We need to go ahead and make sure we get this work stoppage stop. We need to make sure we get these games in. And so, and so, obviously, that's a far cry from what happened in the '80s when there's the lockout and the lost games and all of that and trying to get too greedy. It seems like both sides are coming to a common place, a common ground of agreement to make sure that the game doesn't lose any, uh, the game of football doesn't lose any unnecessary preseason or regular season games. So, so I'm, I'm satisfied with the direction right now. Freddie, I'm going to let you go on that one, but I tell you what, the next time I get you on, I'm going to get your dad on, because I know your dad was probably from the 80s generation himself, if not the 70s, but I think the 80s, and you said we were greedy. Man, we got to have a conversation with you. I didn't say players are greedy, I said the owners are okay, greedy. Okay, 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 there you go, there you go, I want to clear that one up. But listen, man, tell your dad I said hello, you know, your young brother, I'm sure you're going to continue to encourage him, and all those dads out there that you're helping out, man, we have Appreciate it again. You know, we always uh, have to be called upon to be role models for people outside of our fraternity, if you will. But I'm glad to see the generation of people that came after me, people like yourself, are doing an outstanding job of carrying that baton. So I thank you. Be safe in that car as you go pick up your friend and be sure to call us back before you start your show. Okay? You will. Okay. Thanks, Freddie. Okay. Hey, you heard it. Right out, man, he gave it to us, right from the horse's mouth, as they say, there you, you just had Freddie Scott. And Freddie, of course, is the spokesperson for All Pro Dads, of which is an organization that Tony Dungy, great man, great coach, founded. Super Bowl coach. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. When we come back, one of the best of all time, Henry Clay, will join me on the other side of the break. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Do you feel the need for speed? Whatever your addiction, NASCAR, IndyCar, NHRA, Formula One, or even lawnmower racing, Pit Pass USA has got you covered. Larry Henry here, host of Pit Pass USA. I put my 30-plus years of being a motorsports broadcaster to work to bring you not only the best guests, but also the most interesting guests in racing. Pit Pass USA with Larry Henry. Your front row seat to the world of racing. Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Channel. Be there or get a DNF. 
your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Music, you know the show. You're listening to Rail the Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. And let me tell you what matters to me. I have to share this with you. This past, I think it was last Thursday, I got on a plane and I headed down to, it might as well be Death Valley for me because when I ended up down there in Baton Rouge, Louisiana at, boy, LSU University, I could not believe I was on that college campus. I just could not believe it. It just... Didn't feel good to be on that campus until I just said, you know, Ray, accept it. We lost. LSU, of course, beat the Ohio State University in that national championship game. But let me just say this. What I want to do is I want to commend those folks at LSU, and particularly the LSU Executive Education, because in conjunction with LSU Athletic Department, they created what's called the Personal Branding for athletes. It was a seminar to help current and recently retired athletes prepare for their success in their post-playing endeavors. Let me tell you something. It was one of the most outstanding conferences that I have ever attended. Not only did I enjoy it and benefit from it, thank you very much, Guy Troop from the NFL Alumni Association. There were so many people there uh, who did a tremendous job. Tommy, uh, Robin, uh, Mr. Bill, I'm calling everybody by first name because that's what it was. It was a comfort zone. It was a comfort zone of which you got a tremendous amount of education, tremendous amount of support, encouragement to go ahead and leverage that $9 billion brand that you carry on your back everywhere you go. That's the National Football League. And for players to their brand, protect your brand. And I'll tell you what. For those who are transitioning and looking for an opportunity, if you're interested in broadcasting, be sure to call me right here at Voice America Sports. You can call me directly, 480-553-5755. And for those of you who don't know, this is Ray Ellis Sports. I am Ray Ellis. And I want to thank this man that's on this phone right now. I mean, if it were not for this gentleman who was a role model, even when he didn't know he was a role model for me, because at one day I had always aspired that I would get a chance to, ha to have one of these microphones in front of me and to bring whatever perspective I had the way I wanted to, when I wanted to, consistently on a regular basis. There was an example for me. And when I decided I was going to leave Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and I decided that, by the way, long before I ever arrived in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. As a matter of fact, I decided it 25 years prior to leave, I mean, post-leaving. So prior to leaving Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, 21 years prior to when I left, I had planned that I was going to leave. And I had planned that I was going to come to Phoenix, Arizona. But I didn't know who I was going to meet or who I needed to meet. But I had my plan. But as that plan was put in place, a man said to me, as you go west and you arrive in Phoenix, Arizona, you need to see a young lady by the name of Tacey Trump at Voice America. And that man that gave me that direction is none other than Mr. Henry Clay, one of the greatest men to cover sports that I've ever known. I continue to be his friend, and he be my friend. Henry, how are you, sir? 
I am terrific. Uh, a little cooler than you are. I see it's like 100 <laughs> in the uh, Tempe area. It's only 93 here in the uh, city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, 100 isn't that bad for me, but I'll tell you what, Henry, I moved a couple weeks ago and it was 118 degrees. And I don't care. They can talk about dry heat when it's hot. It's hot as hell. (laughs) Well, Henry, listen, I'm glad I have you on, man, because I tell you what, uh, I want to. I want to thank you for the example you set. I want to thank you for being the gentleman that you were. I want to thank you for being fair to athletes, and, and, and I'm glad to be in your fraternity now, and thank you for welcoming me and directing me as I entered into this fraternity. Well, that's uh, quite an honor that you just laid upon me. Uh, that's one thing. I came from another industry into this industry, and I had no role models in either one. Wow. And when I made the commitment to this industry, I said that I'm going to try to set an example where many young men like yourself, yes, I would blast you on Sunday in the press box and you missed the play. <laughs> um, but I was going to set an example that when they went on to life after football, you know what? I learned something in Philadelphia. No, we didn't win a lot of games in those days. No, we did not. But I wanted young men like yourself to know that that stop in Philadelphia prepared me for life after football because the life in the National Football League is not a long one. I mean, yeah, you hear of the Brett Favre's and a few other guys, but you talk to people, most young men only have a five- or six-year career in the National Football League. So they have to be prepared for something or some profession when they leave there. Yes, and I, and I thank you, Henry, because as you said, you had no role models. And again, that, that's just an example of the times. And, and so I wanted to be a role model. And as I said, when I attended the uh, conference at LSU University, there were uh, but there were a couple dozen of young men that have come after my generation, and I look back up on, or I look at them, not back up on it, but I look at them, and I'm so proud because things are changing. Athletes are starting to get it. They're starting to prepare themselves for careers, and they're starting to become young men that you can be proud of and not embarrassed for. So I also would like to thank, uh, there's some other sponsors that was out there, and I'm going to be calling upon those guys because they said, hey, call upon us. We were there. Use us as a resource. And, of course, uh, you know, Bank America was there. Merrill Lynch was there. Um, and, and there was a voodoo barbecue was there, <laughs> you know, had some great barbecue, but it was good. But, Henry, what you and I are going to do, we're going to move on, and we're going to talk about a couple things, if you will, uh, that, of course, you and I are very familiar with. And, of course, the 81 strike, you were right there with me in Philadelphia. And, and, and the 87 strike, you were right there. You heard me just talk to a young man, Freddie Scott, who his dad uh, was a part of, I'm sure, one of those strikes. Uh, let me ask you something. Those were strikes. These are considered lockouts, but when you look back on the t- those two and you compare it to what's going on today, their games were lost. Today, no games have been lost to this point, although the Hall of Fame game is being jeopardized. What do you see as the difference or maybe similarities to those two work stoppages back in the 80s compared to what's happening today? All right, I think the National Football League and the National Football League Players Association both learned a good lesson from those instances. As compared to what we have now, we have the uh, 
the NFL, yes, they're locked out. They're working diligently to get something done and get something done that's long-term, not just some quickie one- or two-year deals, and then we have, we go through this all over again. They're wanting to set the... Uh, set the pace for long term down the road as compared to another sport where one, they are planets apart on their negotiations. I mean, they aren't even on planet Earth and planet Moon at this point, uh, being the NBA. And, um, and it looks like that they're doing this very diligently, very slowly, very intelligently, so that Young men will come into the National Football League. The players that are here now, they will get instant gratification. But players who are coming into the league five years, six years, seven years down the road, they're going to have a foundation set for them where you probably will not have such a work stoppage anywhere within, within in my lifetime, at least, and hopefully not with yours. Well, you know what? It's interesting that you say that there won't be a work stoppage, Henry, because I, I, I look and there's a lot of, you know, today with media the way it is and communication systems in place, people can, uh, you know, write things and, and, the ma- and can be reached by and read by the masses. And sometimes they're really ugly, particularly when, when they respond to some of the things that some of the former players are trying to communicate with the current players in terms of, you know, what's needed. And, and I can tell you that, that when I went on those two strikes, you know, it was not just for ourselves because anytime you, you, there's change and, and the change benefits you, then it also benefits the generation that comes after you. I mean, it, it wasn't like it was a long time ago, but, you know, when I went on the first strike, which was 1982, you know, I was a two-year NFL player. I was making $35,000, which some people might say was a lot of money. But there were, there were people like my age that were coming out of college and were going to work for IBM or Xerox, and they were making more money than me. And there's nobody on this planet that can tell me that they thought that an entry-level you know, salesperson working for IBM was making more than a National Football League player, particularly one in his second year. I got a, I got a minimum increase, a minimum increase to take me to the minimum wage, or maybe let's say the maximum increase to take me to the minimum wage, which was $5,000 increase. So that would be making $40,000 as a second year player. Here's my point that I'm making. When you look at the generation of players today and they, and they communicate or lack of communication, maybe even sometimes, with the former players, do you think that it's, it's an obligation of the current players to, to kind of look back and reach back and try to make things better for those who played before them because they, ch- they changed and made some sacrifices so things could be better for the guys today? You covering sports all those years, do you think that's unfair, those former players who think, hey, man, I sure hope those guys take care of us because we sacrificed so that they'd be in the position they're in today. Well, all right. I'll just say three words, four words, uh, from the 87 strike, and uh, let you uh, chuckle over it for a minute. South Philadelphia High School and the Holiday Inn. <laughs> I will chuckle. 
Now, you know what I'm talking about. I, I, I will chuckle. Now, I'm, I'm going to chuckle because, see, I, I got to be honest. In 87, I remember. Now, I was in Cleveland by then because, of course, Buddy had run me out of town. But I heard about those stories. And, and, and I, but I'm, I'm glad there was support. There were men and women that were members of unions that walked the picket lines with, with Reggie and, and Rando and Mike Quick and, and all those guys back in Philadelphia. You know, so why don't you share some of those stories with these folks? Well, some people don't know the, the good times. There were good times because there they, was an agenda. We made sacrifices, but we hung in together. And Philadelphia, compliments to John Spagnola, too, who was a union rep at that time. Strongest union team out there. Well, let's talk about before the 81 situation. You talk to the old guys, uh, a man who played the position that you are very familiar with, Tom Brookshire. Oh yeah, yeah. God, God, God okay. bless him. Yeah. All of the all of the NFL players before that period, they all had to have second jobs. When the season ended on that Sunday or Monday, whatever, Tuesday morning or Wednesday morning, they were out doing another job. They could not, like you said, you started out at 35 and went to 40. Well, some of those guys started out at 8 and 10 and got up to 12 or 15. Yes. Now, now, but those people that call talk shows, write blogs about the money that the players make really don't understand that, one, the National Football League today is a full-time job. They think that they show up on... Uh, Labor Day weekend and throw the uniforms on and go play football. No, it doesn't work that way. This being a strange year because of the work stoppage, uh, they haven't done that. But let's just turn the clock back to 2010. Many of those players never left South Philadelphia. They had uh, receiver camp. They had backfield camp. They had defensive line camp. They had defensive backfield camp. Then they had receiver camp. Then they had mini camp. And then it was off to Lehigh University. And you were at the beautiful confines of Westchester University. Well, Lehigh University is a step up from uh, Westchester, but it's still mighty hot out there for two a days <laughs> yes. and for the other things that the young men go through during training camp. Uh, so they earn every penny that they are paid. Yes, yes. And that, I think that's one thing that people fail to realize. Football is not a part-time job anymore. It, it's a full-time job. It really started moving to a full-time job when I entered the league, Henry, in 1981. I tell people, I shared this story with a few guys uh, when I was uh, in uh, Louisiana this past weekend uh, and last week. And, and that was that uh, in 1981 when I made the team for the Philadelphia Eagles, and I think I got my, uh, my bonus of making the roster, which I think was about $6,500. And I'll never forget this fine, dapper-looking gentleman shaking my hand and congratulating me. And, of course, that, uh, that young man at that time uh, was Carl Peterson. He was the, uh, the president and general manager for the Philadelphia Eagles. I think he was the general manager for the Philadelphia Eagles. Shook my hand, congratulated me on making the team thus far. But he wanted me to know that the Philadelphia Eagles, indeed, had been a team that was known to let pl players go 
throughout the season. And uh, congratulations thus far, young man. And then he also wanted to remind me that uh, we also recommend that our, our, our men stay here during the off-season uh, to participate in off-season workouts. So well, that became a full-time job for me right then and there. <laughs> right. Well, you look in and... Uh, I may see it a little more than you because I'm closer to it because you have other responsibilities. But you go in, on you have the game on Sunday, win or lose. You go in and meet with the coach on Monday. Around the league, Tuesday's the day off. Well, the phones among the media types like myself, we're on the phone on Tuesday night. What lockers will be changed when we get there tomorrow? So you guys have been aware of that for a long time, where it may be new to players. You guys are constantly aware of the fact that that roster may change next week. On Tuesday. <laughs> and, and you know what? That's one of those things, Henry, that people don't, these reality shows that exist, I mean, it, to some people, this is a new thing. But for NFL players, the reality of, listen, you're on stage, and you're on stage in front of your friends and whoever shows up at practice, and you compete for this job, and we're going to go in tonight, and tomorrow we're going to let you know who's going to go home. That happens. That happens, and that, that plays out many days. And that's the ugly part of sports because it, it, it's something you've done your entire life. You didn't retire. You didn't decide to give it up. It was snatched from you because obviously somebody made a decision that you didn't have the talent that you thought you did to continue on with your careers. And sometimes you guys, well, I'm a part of it now, but not as close as you are, may find out even before we do. Well, all right. Now, take a jump from an, to another sport for one second. Of course, you yeah. guys have the... Uh, we, we got two minutes, Henry, so go ahead and hit me with that one. You have the 82nd All-Star game tonight. Well, the young man, John Crook, who played and was quite a player for the Philadelphia Phillies. Oh, oh yeah, we remember Crookie. Okay, when he, went, when he came back for his first time as a reporter for ESPN, he walked up to me and said, you know what, I didn't realize your job was so tough. That's a compliment. You know what? That, that's a compliment because many times what happened right now, I'm sure you're aware, Henry, that, that this thing is going on with, with, with Tiki Barber, and he's trying to adjust to the fact that, okay, I thought I could do this media thing, and perhaps maybe they kind of gave him a little bit too much. What they did is they made him a first-round draft pick when he really was a free agent in media. If they'd have bought him in, with the lower expectations, like they do a free agent, and he would have become a shining star and worked out like a free agent, I mean like a, a first-round draft pick, that would have been better. But they made him a first-round draft pick on day one of his me media career. I think it ended before it started. Well, and yeah, I understand we're up against the clock, but I even saw something that he was even thinking about trying out to, for the National Football League again. Yeah, he well, and see, the thing about it is, I think what happened is perhaps maybe, and I'm just guessing, and, and we've, all, we've all ventured down that dark tunnel of post-career. And, and many times it happens prematurely. I'll never forget that a coach of mine in, in uh, Cleveland told me, because I had come into practice one day, Henry, and my body hurt me in 13 different places. And I told him, I said, you know, if I had come in for treatment, I wouldn't know what the hell to get treated for. I did my entire body. I said, I actually felt like retiring last night. He said, Ray, I'll just, you know, warn you that many times. And he knew I, I must have had a serious look on my face. A, a, what I learned was my default look. It must have been one that was a very serious 
very serious one. And I said to him, Coach, I was seriously considering retiring. He said, Ray, many times people make that decision prematurely. And I think what Tiki did is sure he may have had personal issues in his life of which weren't going to go away with him just walking away from the football game. But football is something that's very hard to get out of your system and to do it prematurely is really not good. If you can control that, and he could have controlled it at that time, if he just would have remained there and worked his way through that, I think his family life might have been a better situation. But then again, who am I? I, I? I can't, you know, judge another man. But I certainly would say this. I think that his wanting to come back with football is because he didn't have enough football and he didn't get it out of his system when he had a chance to. We're going to have to take a break because, of course, we got to pay bills. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. One of my role models is on with me, the great reporter Henry Clay out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We'll be right back after this message. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. Leave the bitch's ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spies her, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Tune in every Monday after the busy sports weekend to Catch the Vision Sports Radio with host Thomas Lewis. We'll look at sports from every level, from what happened years ago to what happened last week to what's coming next. Thomas Lewis will take you to places you've never been before on a sports talk show and will bring an experience you've been waiting for. Our topics will focus on realities facing a player, labor disputes, academics, recruiting, and transition. Tune in to Catch the Vision Sports Radio, Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You hear that music, you know the show. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice of America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. 
And what matters to me is I am here living out my dream. I've made that transition. I want to thank those folks out there, first of all, from the NFL Alumni Association, especially Mr. Guy Troop. I want to thank those folks out there from LSU and, of course, from uh, their uh, institute, of which, uh, uh, which is the LSU Executive Educations Program, of which uh, had a great seminar transitioning from the NFL, your next career. Uh, Professor Tommy, my hero. I got my default face on right now. Mm. <laughs> uh, Robin, thank you so much. You did an excellent job. There was a young lady there who, who, or, who organized and made sure everybody got there on time. That was Brooke. And her dad, Mr. Bill, one of my favorite. I want to thank Mr. Bill. Uh, and, of course, uh, 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 Garrett Rodriguez. Garrett, I'll be calling you. Uh, take my phone call. Don't scream my calls. And, of course, uh, Tom and I spoke briefly this morning. I want to thank Tom, but just thank all those great folks out there for that program. And uh, I got a, a chance to sit down in the Shaquille O'Neal Lounge. I had a great time. Uh, shout out to my frat brother, Roo. Okay, now, one of those men that set a great example for me, Mr. Henry Clay and I are going to continue. Henry, this is the segment of which, of course, first I want to say, uh, uh, how many people are going to be here tonight representing the Philadelphia Phillies who I'm hoping win the World Series this year? There will be five, and I'm going to be remiss for one second. Okay. You go back to Louisiana. Here's a coach you're going to hear a lot about. His name is John Hendrick. Okay. He is the new coach at Tulane, and when you go back, He's going to make some noise with that program. Now, well, two, to the wait, wait, wait. Two, Tulane is a university that I very seriously consider coming out of high school. My high school quarterback had went there the year before that. Shout out to Dr. Rock Hontis, who was a quarterback there at Tulane and broke all those records, but knew what he wanted to do in life and asked the NFL to withdraw his name from the draft, not to tempt him. And as I said today, he is Dr. Rock Hontis. So shout out to Tulane University, and I'll be keeping an eye on them. But go right ahead, and let's bring us back up to date. And you believe the Phillies, well, you know the Phillies have five representatives here today, but they're all not playing. That three are uh, nursing injuries, or uh, two of them are nursing injuries. And uh, Cole Hamels pitched on Sunday, and when you pitch on Sunday, league rules will not allow you to pitch in the All-Star game. He is there to be with, and he will be introduced as one of the players. Uh, the starter will, who will pitch two innings is Roy Halladay, who was much coveted by the Phillies. Oh, yes. They did everything that they could and finally landed him in Philadelphia. And he, I'll tell you, he has been uh, incredible to watch the way he goes about not only game day, uh, on the mound performances, but how he performs in the off days and around the players. In fact, the one of the pitchers who is not pitching tonight, uh, Cole Hamels, has become very, very uh, efficient with a couple of pitches that he could not throw until Roy Holiday landed on the streets here in Philadelphia. Well, I would definitely think that Holiday has definitely earned his money a little bit more in the city of Philadelphia, uh, brotherly love, the city of Philadelphia, of course. And, uh, and so I'm happy he made it there. I'm happy he's still there. But let me ask you this. You know, there's a couple people, as you mentioned, that are nursing a few injuries. Uh, some of them may be psychological injuries. You know, uh, Derek Jeter, you know, the great Derek Jeter, who just, you know, uh, of course, uh, it finally hit it. I mean, number 3,000, knocked it out the park. Uh, Derek's not going to play in this All-Star game, dealing with some issues, frame of mind, a lot of them, stressed out, you know, maybe injured. But let me ask you something, Henry. You've been around. You've seen some things in terms of 
the great Derek Jeter and, and, and looking at it and being able to truly give credit to the accomplishment of his 3,000th hit, which was a home run, um, you know, truly, how does that line up in all the other great things that have happened in baseball? Are we truly giving it all the credit it really, you know, should receive and he should receive as a player for doing I'm, that? I'm not so sure because what he has gone through and maintained his focus to uh, reach, reach the 3,000 hit, all of the problems in New York with the politics, with the, uh, the new stadium, uh, the loss of the owner being John George Steinbrenner, uh, all of the problems that that team a few years ago had with the media, uh, to just stay focused and play as long as he had to get to that, I mean, that's an achievement in itself. And to come out the way he did and uh, acknowledge the fans, He's been a, an incredible athlete, too. I don't cover him on an everyday basis, but the times that I have, he was always there uh, at his locker after games. He always addressed the media at such functions such as the All-Star Game. Uh, so he has done everything that he has to get to this level. I mean, it's incredible. And uh, he, it, there's been no calls or things on the media about his late night uh, away from the game escapades. Uh, so he's an incredible athlete. You have, the only thing you can do is take your hat off to him. Yeah, and you know what? And, and as an athlete myself, I always want to give, as we say, give props to those who deserve it. And I am going to say this. You know, there couldn't be a better ambassador for any sport then, then this man, Derek Jeter, he has been a superstar from the day that he stepped on the baseball field. He's been, been nothing but a gentleman. He, he's never done anything to tarnish the brand. People love him. You can't, he's been through uh, the Yankees, all those World Series championships where he could, he could be as arrogant as he wanted to be. The man has never done that. He has been as professional in his approach to playing the game off the field. I mean, he's got to be everybody's hero. You know, the, the young man, he's a nice-looking guy. Uh, his, his mom and dad, they all support him. Uh, you know, he's got tons of money. He obviously is playing his game because he loves it. And he's been able to sustain this image in New York City, the media capital of the world. You know if there was something that was, if they had something on him, of course, you know, it'd be on the front page of, of page six, you know, but... Obviously, they, they haven't. So I, I just want to say thank you for being the role model to those of us, as Gary Maddox once told me, athletes need role models, too. So I thank you, Derek Jeter, for that. I wish that you would have come here and, and been a part of this. So so I, as an athlete, could just say thank you for, for all the great things you've done. But listen, we got we got we got a couple more minutes. We want to squeeze something in here. I don't know how many we got, but I will ask you this, Henry. Let's switch it to football real fast. The Philadelphia this this work stoppage is about to be over with. They're, they are not going to let that judge throw that gavel down and say you gotta do this. Okay? Let's talk about the Philadelphia Eagle and what I believe is the most desired athlete out there in terms of not even free agency, but just on somebody's roster that somebody else wants. And that's Kevin Cobb. Am I correct that you think his days in Philadelphia in terms of his residency are numbered because he's on his way out? 
Yes, he's definitely, Andy has said that he, he has to be traded, and Andy said that he would accommodate him. Uh, it appears. Oh, wait, could you repeat that? Please repeat that so everybody out there will hear that. You said that he asked Andy to be traded, and Andy said he would accommodate that. That is correct, yes. Wow. Uh, the two teams right now, uh, when you sift it through the rumors, you know, he's going to New England, he's going to Pittsburgh. He's, when you sift through all of those crazy rumors that somebody put on a blog somewhere, evidently the two teams right now that are leading in the uh, chase are the Arizona Cardinals, which I'm sure you would love, and the uh, Seattle, and Seattle Seahawks. Uh, they seem to have made the best possible offers to the Eagles. Now, I know there are lots of names that have been banded around. I'm sure they're in uh, Arizona as well as in Washington State. But it, the old saying is it takes two to tango, and I would have to wait and see. Right now, well, I know that you had said uh, earlier in some communication that uh, Arizona was going to offer a first-round draft choice. Nah, that ain't happening. Well, let me ask you, do you think they're going to give up uh, the other rumors out there that, uh, that, that Dominic rogers Camardi, the best corner we have, uh, you know, I, I know we just drafted a guy, but you think you're going to get Dominic rogers Camardi? Uh, uh, right now, I don't think so. I would I wouldn't I wouldn't do that. There's no way. Listen, every NFL team that wins a Super Bowl, you got to have a damn good secondary, especially in today's game where it's become a passing game. Why would you give up an all-pro cornerback? Even if it is to get a quarterback, you know, defense wins championships. James David Ryan says offense sells tickets, defense <laughs> wins championships. And, they, and the stadiums are being sold out, but not everybody's winning the championship. So, so I, I just don't know. Do you, do you see Dominic Rogers Camardi coming? I mean, I know no, uh, Asante Samuel's kind of ba- you know been I, banged up a bit. There's a couple other names that uh, uh, one of which I have a problem pronouncing that has been mentioned with a second or third round draft choice. I think that will be. That would be the trade if it's with Arizona. Uh, Let me ask you something. I'm going to throw something out there only because I'm a Buckeye. And I, you, you can call me a homer on this one. Is there any way we package Beanie Wells into that and you guys get Beanie uh, to come in to Philadelphia? Uh, that name has come up, yes. Wow. Yeah, that name has. Again, like I said, you have to sift it through. And if you, You're a homeboy like myself, how your mom sifted the flour. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, to cook the chicken in. That's right. So basically, uh, what we have to do is sift it through all of these rumors and everybody's blogs and everybody's talk shows, sift it out and say, okay, maybe we can talk about this guy and that guy and Kevin Cobb and this draft pick and that draft pick. But everybody has his or her own theory about who the uh, Eagles, if it is in fact with the Arizona Cardinals, and... Uh, or the Seattle Mariners, who will be, or the Seattle Seahawks, Seahawks excuse yeah. me. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm in a baseball mood getting, yeah. getting ready for that all-star game. Yes, yes. I'm getting pumped. Um, anyway, when you get through that, nobody knows except the flies on the wall who those general managers actually are going to settle to till they walk into the media rooms and say, okay, ladies and gentlemen of the media, we've made a trade with 
Team A, Team B, Team 18, whatever. And you're right, Henry, and I will say this, and you know this, there's probably been nobody better in the last years since he arrived in Philadelphia than deceiving the public than Andy Reid. We, nobody ever knew that T.O. was ever coming to Philadelphia. We certainly never thought that he, they were going to run him out when they did. We didn't think he was going to draft Donovan McNabb, and that's who he drafted, and we certainly didn't think he was going to run him out of town uh, when he did. You know, we certainly didn't think that the Philadelphia Eagles would pick up Michael Vick and certainly didn't think he would become the starting quarterback when he did. Andy Reid is is the master of deception. So I agree with you. You certainly will not know what Andy Reid uh, and, and, and his, his staff there is going to do because they are the masters of deception. And with that being said, I'm going to tell you this, Henry. I, I, again, I just want to thank you so much for everything and the example you've always set for me. I'm going to ask you to continue to come back. And we always, you know, go through this little Philadelphia thing, but we'll look at the league uh, in general. Can't wait for football season to start. You but right, that right. I'm so ready to do it. <laughs> I love it. I thank you for having me. I love to come back because we, we always uh, spark each other's thought process, which is the whole pro- whole purpose that we have here. I appreciate that. And hopefully, uh, if there is another work stoppage years from now, you and I will talk about that one as well. But I'll tell you what, what we're going to talk about the next time is hopefully next week we'll talk about football season. All right, you heard it. You heard that music. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. It's time for me to go. So I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Thank you, Mr. Cook. Everybody hands go up. And they stay there. And they say yeah. And they stay there. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.